Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus to you? Yeah, I know. Lutherans kind of hate questions like this. We would rather focus on who Jesus is. We can point to the creeds and we can see how they speak of who Jesus is as revealed in God's word. We remember the arguments that happened in the early church and throughout church history about uh, who Jesus is and how they were ultimately decided by going back to God's word and saying what it tells us. Asking who is Jesus to you might really grate on your nerves like Asking, what does this Bible verse mean to you? As if there could be just all kinds of meanings and everybody's understanding of it could be entirely valid. But bear with me here. Who is Jesus to you? It's quite an important question. Because while you can maybe articulate all of the right answers about who Jesus is. You can confess all of the right answers by using the creeds of the church. Sometimes I wonder if we really believe what we're saying. Because we're quite prone to say one thing with our tongues, but then when we leave the church, we leave the reality of these things at the door, and we go back to our real lives, our normal lives. At church, we sing praises to Jesus. We confess the creeds. We pray, and then, and then we, we head home, and we seem to forget all about Jesus. Our prayer falters. We use our words to complain rather than praise. We live, live as if our identity in Christ is checked at the door here, and out there we live a different reality. Who is Jesus to you is an important question. Not because it is identity in any way, shape, or form is determined by what you believe about him. He is who he is. He is God in human flesh. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, the Savior. But it's important because if we fail to believe in him for who he truly is, well, then we remain blind and live in spiritual blindness. Today's gospel reading is a familiar one. We hear this gospel reading pretty much every Thanksgiving. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's passing along between Samaria and Galilee. That is to say, he's in an area where there, there's hostility between peoples. The Jews and the Gentiles, you know the whole story. They didn't get along. They did not get along at all. And there's this whole long history of why they didn't get along. But I think it's probably similar to a lot of other things where why don't they get along? Because they don't get along. Because they never have gotten along. Well, what's the root of it? Well, they don't like us and we don't like them. That's, that's why we don't get along. And, and they could go back and, and say, well, all of these different things. But ultimately, it's because they chose to be antagonistic towards each other. As Jesus is in the area, he's entering a village. But he's, as he's making his way, ten men afflicted with leprosy call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now this sounds familiar, right? We just talked about this with the kids. 
We sing and say this in the liturgy every week, right? Lord, have mercy. But while we say, Lord, have mercy, the lepers cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It's different, right? But is it a difference really without a distinction? Is it just kind of saying the same thing in a different way? Well, not quite. I don't think it is. Uh, Neither did uh, the 20th century Lutheran theologian William Arndt. He wrote in his commentary on Luke that this Greek word that we have as translated as, as master or overseer has a wider, is a wider term than teacher. The lepers apparently do not regard Jesus as the Messiah, but as a prophet endowed with miraculous powers that he could heal them. They were convinced. In other words, they believed that this Jesus could help them in their need, but they didn't really know the truth of who he was. Who was Jesus to them? An overseer, a master, a prophet. But it does not seem that they recognized him as Messiah, Son of God, Savior. Over the years, I've had a lot of people that would come to church looking for help. And what they wanted help with was, you know, paying the bills or getting some food or, or that kind of thing. Uh, and when I've been able to help, I've helped. But this kind of help only goes so far. Jesus at one point said, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What does it matter if you get some food, get some shelter, are able to pay bills, but you never know the true peace that's found in Jesus? You never receive the eternal salvation that he won for them. So, it's easy, though, for us to look on others and say, oh, see, that, that's how those outside the church look at things. They come to church and they're like, oh, the church can help, but they only think of terms in terms of they can help with you know, physical needs. They don't think of the right, big, most important things. But I think we need to ask the same question about us. Do we see the church as merely a a social gathering? Is it a place where we come that we can get warm and fuzzy feelings, but we never really take the teachings all that seriously? We kind of just go about our normal lives when we leave. What good is it to be a part of the church, but not really to listen to the voice of Jesus and follow him in all things? Well, even though the lepers don't seem to get it or get it, All the way, they only see Jesus as an overseer or a prophet. Jesus still helps them. I think this is a good reminder for us in the church. When we can help, we help. Whether somebody confesses Christ or not. If we can help, we help. Jesus helps them, but here's what's interesting. He helps them and he gives them kind of what they expect from him. They expect from a prophet that a prophet would heal them, but that the prophet would then send them back to the priests so that the priests can declare them to be ceremonially clean according to the law of Moses. And so Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. 
Now, as they're going, it kind of becomes obvious to them what's happened, right? At some point, they look around and they see the other guys are cleansed and they look at themselves and they go, oh, hey, look at that. I don't have leprosy anymore. But as you know, only one returned to give thanks to Jesus. What about the other ones? Here's what I suspect happened. I suspect that they sped away from Jesus at a faster rate after recognizing that he had healed them than they had walked away from them from him before that. I suspect they started out at a slow walk, making their way to the priest, not sure if this was going to happen, if this was going to work, what was going to happen. And as they walked and they looked and they saw they were healed, their pace quickened, and pretty soon they were at a jog and maybe even a full sprint so they could go back and see the priest be declared clean and get back to their normal lives. As they recognized they were healed and helped by Jesus, they ran away from him even faster. Hadn't Jesus helped them? Why didn't they come and return and give thanks? Why why didn't they recognize that this is the Messiah? Well, because they had gotten from Jesus what they had wanted, what they had expected of him. They had asked him for help with this condition. He'd helped them. And now their need for him was done. So they thought. But one of them did return to Jesus. Upon noticing he had been healed, he didn't continue to walk away from Jesus. He turned back to Jesus. He praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his feet in a posture of worship. He fell, we would say, prostrate. This is not the same word as prostate, right? We get those things mixed up sometimes. You're looking at the hymn and you're like, what in the world is that saying? No, that's not what it is. Prostrate is what? Face down. His face was on the ground in front of Jesus in a, in a posture of worship because he's recognizing who this Jesus is. It says he praised God with a loud voice and he's worshiping God. Because he recognizes this Jesus is not just a prophet. This is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. The Samaritan man recognized that this Jew, remember the Samaritans and the Jews, they did not get along. He was more than a prophet, more than an overseer. He was the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus then asks rhetorically, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? It's interesting, isn't it? God provides for all of our needs. We have daily bread. He blesses us with food and family and home, with clothing and shoes. And yet, the churches aren't packed. Sunday morning, more people sleep in than get up and and go to church and give thanks to God. Because of who Jesus is to them. To them, he might be a good teacher or a prophet or a miracle worker or a fraud or a hoax or something else. But this Samaritan man knew better. 
He knew that this Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. And so the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, Jesus says to this man, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, that, that, that's a fine translation. It's not wrong. But if you look at the footnote in your ESV, it's going to give you a better alternate translation of that. It says, rise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. You remember last week we heard about that faith like a mustard seed, right? Just like a grain of mustard seed, that faith is powerful enough to have a mulberry tree uprooted and put into the sea. Well, here we see such faith from a Samaritan, an outsider. But this outsider understood. He got it. He got who Jesus was. Who Jesus was to him, and who Jesus actually was and is, they were the same thing. He got it. He understood it. This Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. And as a result, not only does this man receive bodily healing from this horrible disease of leprosy, but he will be one of those who on the last day when Jesus returns will be raised from death to everlasting life in a perfect immortal body. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you know who Jesus is. You know the truths we confess about him in the creeds. But today and throughout this week, ask yourself, who is Jesus to me? Have I gotten what I want out of him so now I can walk away and go back to my normal life? Or is he everything to me? So that after having received, I just want to keep being with him, living for him in all that I do. Let's close today with a word of prayer. Let us ever walk with Jesus, follow his example pure, through a world that would deceive us and to sin our spirit's lure. Onward, in his footsteps treading, pilgrims here, our home above, full of faith and hope and love, Let us do our Father's bidding. Faithful Lord, with me abide. I shall follow where you guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.